You know, it is important for us to remember what today really is. Uh, Today is not just some memorial to a nice, good, religious teacher who happened to live 2,000 years ago. Instead, it is a celebration of the fact that Jesus is alive today. That is the emphasis. Did you know that Christianity is the only religion, the only faith on the planet whose founder and whose primary teacher and advocate died and was raised from the dead and lives today. And every other faith which we could list them today for you, all of them, the founders of those and the focal point for those, they're still in the grave. But in our faith, guess what? He's alive. Amen. Now, if that doesn't set apart faith in Jesus from everything else and all the other, uh, all the other, uh, you know, offers and opportunities to choose religious pursuits and faiths, I don't know uh, what it is. But that, to me, we need to understand and rejoice over it. You're living proof. Those of you who know Jesus and He lives in you, and your lives have been radically changed. I'm living proof. All of us sinners who've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and today stand in right standing with God, we are living proof that this is the real deal. In addition to the approximately one billion Christians around the world today who are celebrating Easter this weekend. I want to share a scripture with you this morning. I'm going to uh, just kind of introduce, make sure that we're focused correctly on really what Easter's significance is, and then I want to go back and read the narrative, part of the narrative once more, and glean some important points. Paul in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 made an interesting statement, and I've just just kind of cut out the, the meat of it so that we could focus on it. Simply says this, by being raised from the dead. Everybody knows he was raised from the dead. That's what we're celebrating today, right? By being raised from the dead, he was proved to be the mighty Son of God. You see, it was the resurrection that validated every claim that Jesus made. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the water of life. Jesus said, if you believe in me, this is going to happen. If you'll do this, this is going to happen. You can expect this. You can bet on this. All of the claims of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in fact, all of the promises of the Bible are frankly validated by this one single fact that is historically validated and proven. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. It separates as a watershed event even the calendars that we use. Easter is the good news about God's Son. And it's full of good news. Who came as a human baby, born into King David's royal family line. And even four separate historical records record that he showed himself to over 500 people at one gathering plus others, and we'll look at some of those appearances this morning. Can you imagine having been one of those people that witnessed the death and the horrible suffering that Jesus went through, what he went to the cross, how he hung on that cross, and all of the, all of the bruising and the piercing and the suffering and the horrible atrocities committed against him, and yet only three days later to see Jesus walking around the streets of Jerusalem? 
Can you imagine what an amazing sight that must have been? For 40 days, he walked after the resurrection in his new resurrected body, as even as you saw in the clip, he made these amazing appearances which we have recorded for us. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and the skeptics and the critics were mocking him and saying things like, well, if you're the Son of God, why don't you just pull yourself down from that cross? Why don't you just come down here and prove to us that you're really God? But Jesus had a much greater plan. He wasn't about to submit to the to the to the all the crazy taunts and challenges of the people he had something far more spectacular and that would create life sustaining for all after that point he said no i'm going to let you bury me and for 3 days i'll stay in the grave and then i'm going to come back to life and i'm going to prove that i am what i am And that, my friend, is the reason. Jesus did that in order to show us that he is who he said he was. Just just focus on this with me. If it were not, I don't know whether you ever process things like if this and kind of philosophy, sometimes we have this thing we say, if this, then this, if this, then this, if the if and thens. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, then what? Then we'd be, then we'd be, you know, doing whatever for without validation and without historical proof. If Jesus was indeed resurrected from the dead, if he was, then we know for a settled fact He is who he said he was. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And he is a life giver. And he will grant eternal life. And he will heal the sick. And he will set the captives free. And everything else that we read in the Bible we know is true. Why? Because of this singular historical event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the pinnacle of proof. And it makes seals, proves the case for Jesus Christ. Would you turn in your Bibles or your tablets or devices with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 11. I'll show it also on the screen for you. But I want you to look at this narrative with me, the the Easter Sunday morning happenings and events. And I want us to break it down and look at four of them specifically. Matthew 28, verse 1 through 11. I'll read it for you. After the Sabbath... At the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid that they shook and became like Dead men. The angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen. Just as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell the disciples, 
He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There, there you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him and they clasped his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. Now, this obviously fits closely with the video representation that you saw this morning. But what I want us to do this morning is just examine this text and specifically look at four statements that are made that represent four Sunday happenings, four incidents that carry great weight and they also provide a message for you and me today. Let me just give you an overview of what these are and then we'll unpack them one by one. Number one, the stone rolled. The stone rolled, that's found there in verse 2. Number 2, the guards feared. That's in verse 4. Number 3, the women ran. That's in verse 8. And in verse 9, we see what? The Savior appeared. So let's just unpack each of these, if we can, together this morning. First of all, the stone rolled. Can everybody just say that? The stone rolled. That's an important fact that we need to establish. The stone was rolled away. Now, while we may sometimes throw stones, God rolls stones, all right? And by the way, he rolls the right stones in the right direction and at the right time. The Bible says in verse 2 that we just read, there was a violent earthquake, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. I just think that's cool that he sat on it, don't you? (laughs) I mean, I know it's just me and my crazy thinking, but I just think that's kind of cool. That not only that he would roll it, obviously, that's pretty spectacular. But then after rolling it, he just decided to sit on it for a little bit. He hadn't quite finished his business there. So he just took a seat there on that stone. It might be helpful to remember the magnitude of this great statement. What kind of stone was this? This was a stone that most scholars would agree, is, was an actual wheel made of the stone of granite. It was eight foot in diameter and one, one foot thick. It was rolled into some kind of a groove in the, in the ground where perhaps it weighed more than four tons. That's over 8,000 pounds, folks. Can you imagine this stone... Uh, and this is, a, this is a picture taken from an, an example. Uh, I don't know if this was the actual picture from the garden tomb or not that, that I've, I've had a chance, as some of you have, to, to visit Israel and to actually look at what... There's two different theories about where that tomb is, but it's uh, at least a great replica, if nothing else. But you can see the massiveness of this stone. You say, oh my gosh, how in the world was that ever moved? Listen, when God decides to move stones, when he decides to move a stone, he does a good job of it. And in the same way that he rolled away that stone, listen to me, he can roll away stones in your life. 
The fact of the matter is all of us have some rocks and stones and obstacles in our life, and some of them seem like they're over four tons. It's impossible for us to budge. I love what Max Licato, who writes a lot about the Jesus events, and he writes a lot about Calvary and wrote a lot about this particular narrative that we find in the Scripture. And I like his statement. He says this, The stone was moved, but not for Jesus, but for the women. Not so Jesus could come out, so the women could see in. Isn't that important? Sometimes we think that the reason that the stone was rolled away so Jesus could come out. He didn't need that. He didn't need that rock moved in order to come out. Why, for the next 40 days, he spent time popping through doors and walls and houses, just showing up places. Do you think he needed that, that rock move for, for his own convenience of walking out of the grave? No, 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 no. It wasn't for him. It was so we could look inside of it so that we could see that now the grave is empty. That was why that stone was rolled. What an important meaning for us. But let's talk for a moment about your stones. God always seems to be a God full of surprises. Have you ever noticed that? I think that there's a level, obviously, when we learn to walk with, with Christ, we have to learn a life of trust and faith. And sometimes that means allowing God to do things His way and in His timing. And many times we have our time frame and we want God to fit everything into our time frame. My experience, unfortunately, is that God has tended to do the biggest miracles in my life at 11.59. Like... Not lengthy days in advance of when I need the miracle. It's just like at the last moment about the time I think, oh boy, I'm in real trouble. And all of a sudden, you can hear the stone beginning to be rolled away. Because that's many times how God does. God's full of surprises. Uh, I've heard it said before, and I'm known for repeating it. You know, God has covenant names, the Bible tells us. You know, we have Jehovah Nisi, he's our banner. Joseph, uh, that he's our provider. He's all these different covenant Hebrew names. There's one maybe you haven't heard of. Jehovah Sneaky. Yeah. So today, everybody's learned something. One of his names is Jehovah Sneaky. Yeah. And I find that proven out many, many different ways. All of us have stones in our lives. Sometimes it's the stones of doubt. Sometimes it's a stone of fear. Big old stones of rejection, insecurity. Sometimes it's the stones of distress, sickness, disease. All imaginable kinds of stones. All of us have needs in our lives. Needs that perhaps can only been take, can be covered and taken care of by an all-powerful God, I want you today to think about what those stones might be. And remember that the Bible tells us that nothing is impossible for God. And it also adds, and nothing will be impossible to those of you who will believe. So faith, could we agree, faith can move stones. Faith can move obstacles out of your life. Some of you have relationship obstacles. Some of you have marriages that look impossible to heal and reconcile. 
Some of you have financial situations that you think there's absolutely no way that is too big of a rock for anybody to move. Some of you, uh, oh, Uncle Sam, I was talking to someone this week who was preparing their taxes, and they were shocked at how much money that they owe, and they didn't know how to take care of it. That's a rock God can move. There's some of you that are struggling with diseases and sicknesses, and you know that, that unless Jesus, the healer, takes care of it, that rock isn't going to be moved. Because there's no doctor as great as doctors and, and, and current medicine is. There's certain things that it takes God to move that stone. Many of you have stones of all kinds in your life, but the good news is this morning, I, what I want you to know is, don't give up. Don't give up. Because that answer may be right around the corner. That miracle you're waiting for may just be right there. And you need to hold on. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 tells us that well-known verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and what? And He will make your paths right. He will guide. He will direct your steps. So I challenge you today. If you've got a stone, remember, the stone was rolled away. Amen? Amen. Number two, the second incident that we notice at this Sunday morning episode, this story, this drama, is that the guards feared. Interesting statement, verse 4. It says the guards who were in charge of making sure that no one touched the body that had been laid in the grave, and particularly in this case, because of all the publicity and everything that had gone on about the Messiah and his claims. Uh, the Romans were wanting to control the crowds. So they made sure that the guards were posted there. And I would assume that these were probably well-qualified guards. But the Bible simply says that these guards were so afraid of the angel that they shook and became like dead men. Now, could someone... Help me with this picture. These are big, burly, linebacker, you know, like, you know, Green Bay Packer defensive line. And I'm not even a Packer fan, but I mean, I mean, can you just picture them for a moment, all right? And it says that they freaked out. They were so afraid they did what? They started shaking. Now, I don't know. I, there have been some things in my life that I've been afraid of, but I can't remember a time that I actually shook. I, I remember walking up on rattlesnakes. We lived in Texas as a kid. All the time, walk up on rattlesnakes and, and you know, have a reaction, right? I mean, you better have a reaction. You walk up on a rattlesnake, you should react. But to shake in your boots, it says that they shook and became like dead men. I'm not sure if that meant they fell over like they were dead or where they stood like staff. I don't know what it meant, but they were afraid. What were they afraid of? Something supernatural out of their control, beyond their rational thinking. They couldn't process it. These were, these were men that were totally confident in their ability to handle every situation. And all of a sudden, the stone got rolled away. The body was gone, and they were in trouble. They were in big trouble, and these men shook and became like dead men. 
I was thinking about that phrase, and I just thought to myself this week, you know, some people need to shake. Some people ought to be afraid. Some people, like these guards, had every reason to be afraid. The guards at the tomb were afraid of the angel. They were afraid of what had taken place. And uh, I actually conclude that some people should fear God and should fear the angels of God, whether they see them or not. Because there's some people that are unbelievers, some people that are not right with God, some people that are in active rebellion against God, some people that God's been after them for a long time, some people who actually have served God in their past, known that Jesus is Lord, know what the truth is, but refuse to yield and, and, and submit to Him. They, 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 they want to sit in the driver's seat and they expect Jesus, even though they've, they've talked to Him in the past, they've had some kind of relationship with Him, they make Jesus sit in the back seat. They want to be in control of their lives. Those people need to shake a little bit. And if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, if you're not a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, I've got news for you. You better shake. You better be afraid. You better have some fear of God in you. Evil people should fear God. Adolf Hitler, Stalin, Osama bin Laden, they should have feared God, but they didn't. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 31, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Now, that's a scripture you don't hear quoted from the pulpit very much. People aren't preaching on that. You hold a seminar on, on something like that, no one will show up. Glenn ain't coming to that. Jesus, what about this scripture? Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. That's not preached on very much either. I think these, uh, these guards probably had a good reason to be afraid. I pray that today, if you're not right with God, I pray you'll do a little trembling enough to bring you and awaken you to the reality that it's time for you to stop running, stop living for yourself, and tap into something that's going to make a difference for eternity and provide you life and life more abundantly. Number one, the stone rolled. Number two, the guards feared. Number three, the women ran. That's what it said. Verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Say it again. The women ran. That morning, that Sunday morning early, the women, after they saw what they saw, heard what they heard, they ran. Now, notice it doesn't say the men ran. So the women ran. The men were out playing golf, but the women ran. How many of us are thankful for women who run? Hallelujah for women who will run. 
They ran. Why did they run? They ran because they were, they were full of the good news that Christ had risen from the dead. That news was more than what a little walk could have handled. It, it demanded more than just a casual, let's make sure we start by Starbucks on the way. We got time. No, it possessed them. It was something urgency that said, we're eager. We got to go. We got to tell somebody that Jesus is alive. He's no longer in that grave. That tomb is empty now. They ran to tell their friends. The church today needs some people who will run. We need some women runners. And we need some men runners too. Amen? We all need to be runners with the good news about Jesus. Our world is, our world is not in a good place, folks. There are people who are who are living for themselves and living for every other idol, living for, every, living for materialistic purposes, living for self, uh, selfish agendas, living for whatever they can do for themselves and their possessions. Let me tell you, the day is going to come. As the great preacher R.G. Lee once said, there will be a payday someday. Now, I, I don't consider myself to be the kind of a preacher that frequently talks about eternal punishment, but let it be heard. There will be a payday someday. So on what side of the ledger will you be in that day? The Bible says the women ran. Man, you got that kind of news you ought to run to. If you had just imagined for a moment, if, you, if somehow you had a secret formula that you were absolutely certain could eliminate cancer from the face of the earth. What would you do? I hope to God that you wouldn't hold on to it selfishly. I hope to God that you wouldn't tuck it away and say, I wonder what I can make off this. Hopefully you would realize that it provides the answer for the, for the saving of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of lives. And, and, and to prevent them from premature deaths and from pain and suffering. And hopefully you would take that news and share it with the right people. How much more appropriate and valid is it when we have the news that Jesus Christ will, will forgive people of the sin problem? That Jesus has not only the ability to forgive, but to transform a life. To take a prostitute and make them a new woman, a new person. To take someone who's been in the grip of sin and addiction and to set them free and to give them a new life. Someone that knows they can start over again. Someone that knows they've got the hope for a marriage and a family and a future. Why would we not run to share that? Not just walk around like holding our Bible under our arm. Going nowhere quick. Nowhere done. No, I don't have, I'm not trying to rush. We ought to be running. Running eager to share. Because we've got life-changing news. These women ran. They ran. Praise God for them. The Apostle Paul was also a runner. I can't help but share the scripture that he mentions in Romans chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. And uh, I've got the text up there, but I'll read it to you very quickly. Listen to what Paul said. 
I'm obligated, or one translation says, I am indebted. Anybody here enjoyed being in debt? Usually I ask that question, not one hand goes up. No one, a lot of people are in debt, but no one likes being in debt. It's much better to be out of debt, isn't it? But listen to what Paul said. He said, I've got a different kind of debt. He said, I'm indebted, obligated, both to Gentiles and to non-Gentiles, Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am so eager to broadcast the gospel also to you who are in Rome. And I'm not ashamed of it because it's the power of God that will bring salvation to everyone who believes. Do you hear what Paul's saying? He said, I live constantly 24-7, 365 days a year. I live with this constant sense of I owe people something. I do not know enough Christians today who live with that mindset. The idea of the people you run into, the people you talk, the people you communicate with, your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your employees, your your employees, your employers, uh, people that you run into. Did you know every person, you ought to have this sense of, I have a debt. Because they may not know what I know. And every one of us who have Jesus in our lives have a story to tell. A story that might turn someone around. He said, I'm eager to share this with you. And I live with this sense of indebtedness. How many of you feel indebted to share with a lady at Walgreens? How many of you feel indebted to share good news with your neighbor? With your coworker, can I can I just give you a quick example of my lovely wife Carrie's passion for Jesus? Not intending to embarrass her, but she's been putting up with this forty five years. She ought to be used to it. <laughs> my wife, sometimes to my own dismay, will talk to anybody. At any moment. I'm like, why do we need to ask them? You're carrying on a conversation. Do we need to have this conversation with these people? I'm like, just wanting, just just give me 24 hours of undisturbed. Carrie knows she made a point of getting acquainted with our male person. It's a lady who delivers our mail most days. Carrie knows her by name. She knows about her family. She knows that she has a a special needs child. She knows about the needs that are going on and and what problems are circling their lives. So how does she know all that stuff? Because she goes out there and makes sure that when she knows what time she's coming, and she will go out and make sure she meets her. What's her name, honey? Natalie? Oh, she'll remember that. Now I put you on the spot. You don't know her name. Sure, they believe this story now. Huh? Crystal! I told you she knew it. She will go out there and wait at the mailbox for Crystal. 
Krista will stop her truck and talk. I've always thought male people, man, they're on the run. Mm, Krista will stop and talk to Miss Carrie because she knows why. She cares. She cares enough to go and say, how can I, Crystal, how can I pray for you this week? Do you know how many people are starving for just someone that cares enough to show the love of God? Now, she's a Roman Catholic lady. Uh, haven't yet determined when the right moment is to, to share the gospel and to pull the and to close the deal, shall we say? But the day will come. But she trusts Carrie. She'll do things for our mail. She won't do things by us. <laughs> We're gone for two weeks. She'll hold our mail. We don't have to go sign the forms. No, she just, she just takes care of our mail. Why? Because of Carrie. My point is the women ran. Are you running? Are you eager? Do you walk with a sense of indebtedness to people that you're around? It's the way Paul lived. I'll leave that particular point with a story. There was a, a well-known violinist back in 1875 to uh, lived to 1962, and his name was Fritz Chrysler. And he had earned a lot of money with concerts and things, compositions he had written on the violin. And he was a very generous person, gave most of it away. At one time in his travels, he had discovered this exquisite violin on one of his trips. And uh, he wasn't able to buy it, but later he got enough money and he went back and he bought this violin. He said it was the most beautiful instrument he'd ever seen. And... Uh, Unfortunately, due to some of his own financial things, he had to give it up. And so another collector bought it, and it had been out of his hands for a few years. One day, Chrysler had made enough money that he was prepared to go back to this collector who bought, bought it simply for its value, you know, for collection value. So Chrysler made his way to the new owner's home, and he offered to buy back the violin. He said, no, I'm not interested in doing that. And uh, so he begged him and he said, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter how much money that you, know, that you want to offer me, I'm not prepared to sell you that violin. And uh, he said, well, then do me one favor. Would you allow me just a moment to play one song? And he said, yeah, I'll go ahead. He took the violin and began to play. And his music just filled the room. And the owner of the violin was so moved by the music that he was playing, he began to weep and cry. And he finally said, I have to give this to you. I have to let you buy this. Because I can't afford to have it sitting here, not making the kind of noise and beautiful music that only you could bring. He understood that he couldn't afford to hold on to something so valuable as that. I wonder sometimes, 
if we have in our possessions things that should be shared more frequently than we do. I'm going to leave you with one more point, and that is number four, the Savior's appearance. The Savior's appearance. You see, the Bible tells us that not only did the stone get rolled, and not only did the guards fear, and not only did the women run, but also the Savior appeared. The Scripture simply says, it very, very simply, since suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said, and the women came to him and they clasped his feet and they worshipped him. The Bible actually records eight different accounts, specific accounts of the appearances of Christ after the resurrection. And I've, I've got them all listed here, and I'm not going to go through and read them for the sake of time. But it's every, it's every kind of appearance you can imagine. He appeared to Mary Magdalene there. That was the first one. He also appeared to Mary, mother of James, Salome, and Joanna. He appeared to Peter. That was the first person mentioned there in Paul's list of witnesses. The two disciples on the Maus Road, remember them? The disciples, on and on and on. And, and one scripture that says that over 500. The point is that repeatedly over 40 days after he was resurrected, 40 days, Jesus popped in, popped out, making appearances. What was he doing? He was providing proof and evidence that he was for real and that he was alive. The Savior appeared. And that, my friend, is an important bit of evidence for you and for me. His appearance was proof that he was the Christ and had indeed come back from the dead. Someone once said, the proof's in the pudding. The proof was in the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. And it ought to give you and me confidence in the way that we live this Christian life. Wow. If Jesus hadn't appeared to these people, they may have been without hope. They may have thought that their dreams were just a waste of time. Without dreams, without hope that Jesus provides, you can't live, you can't succeed, you can't thrive, you can't really accomplish much in life. Christ appears to give people hope. And he is alive today to give you and me hope for our dreams as well. The resurrection of Christ gives us hope of a better life here and a guarantee of what is to come. Just think what he could do in your life. I'm going to conclude with this story, and then I want to pray for each of you. Because uh, I know that this story relates in a particular way with some of us. The story is told of Leonardo da Vinci when he was 43 years old. The Duke of Milan, we understand what an incredible person da Vinci was in both, uh, in so many different areas, but... Of course, he was known as a master artist. The Duke of Milan had commissioned him to paint the painting of the Last Supper of Jesus and his disciples enjoying the, last, the scene of the Last Supper. So he worked very slowly. He gave meticulous thought and care to every different part, details of that painting. He spent three years painting that assignment. 
He had grouped the disciples into threes, two groups on either side of the central figure of Christ. You probably remember Christ's arms outstretched. What you may not know is this little bit of the story. In his right hand, he holds a cup. But that is the version 2.0 of the cup. Because one of his artist friends came to critique his painting after he had finished it. And the other artist said, man, that is incredible. My eyes are just fastened on the cup. It is the most beautiful cup. It's amazing, Leonardo, how you were able to portray this cup. My eye just immediately goes to the cup. I can't divert my attention from it. Leonardo immediately took a brush and he brushed away the cup and he repainted it. This time, just as a plain old cup. So why would he go to that trouble? Because da Vinci was concerned that when people see that painting, nothing should ever divert our attention from Christ. He is the risen Christ and the Son of the living God. I'm going to ask that you would Stand to your feet today. Here's what I want to pray for. There's some of you in your lives today that have some stones that need to get rolled. There's some of you that have issues in life that would be represented by a big stone. Some of you who tried to push and pull haven't been able to figure it out. Maybe all different kinds of stones. Physical stones, psychological, spiritual, relational, career. But I want to challenge you today. Would you give God a chance to break through in your life and to actually push that obstacle out of your way? Would you allow Him take a little step of faith and allow Him to address that rock? There's some of you here today that need to say yes to Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. Some of you possibly for the first real time. Maybe you've been around church. You might even be referred to as a religious person. But if you've never had a heartfelt, heart-level step of faith of saying yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, You can do so this morning. What a better day than Resurrection Day to say yes to Jesus. There's some of you here, listen carefully, there's some of you here who have met Jesus and you gave your life to him, you had an encounter, you you made a decision to follow Jesus, but you are not walking with him today the way you know you need to. You're living for yourself. You're living for what you can accumulate. There's other purposes that are so more important than just living for Jesus. You've pushed him out of the front seat, out of the driver's seat. You've pushed him into the back seat. And now you're running your own life again. It's not the best choice. Would you be willing to entrust Jesus to be the manager of your life?
and your future and decisions. What man or woman you're going to marry. What job you're going to take. What you should do Monday through Friday. What you do with your spare time. Jesus wants to give you abundant life today. But you have to choose it. He'll never budge uh, in in a discourteous way. He's a gentleman. Holy Spirit is going to honor your will. It's your choice. And I challenge you today, make a choice for Jesus Christ. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for stones to be rolled. So if you're here today and you have any kind of stone, we're not going to make any kind of public spectacle out of you. If you have a stone that needs to be rolled away, whatever kind it may be, I want you to just raise your hand and say, pray for Pray for me to have a breakthrough, and I need a stone to be rolled away. Just keep your hands up for a moment. We're just going to pray. I see hands all over. You can put your hands right back down. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that there is no stone too big for you. There's no stone that weighs too much. There's no, there's no rock that can't be rolled. Today I pray for the stones that are in people's lives, the stones of disease. May they be dissolved and may healing come. The stones of financial crises. Lord, I pray that you would open up the windows of heaven and supply people's financial needs or people who are looking for answers and wisdom and career confirmations. And it just seems like the stones in the way. Lord, I pray that you would just, as you sent your angel to remove that one, that you would just remove this stone. Those stones that are blocking marriages and relationships and families and parents and children and grandchildren. Be removed in Jesus' name. Bring healing to people's lives. Restore and reconcile families and marriages in Jesus' name. While your heads are still bowed, I want to ask you this morning, are you here and you need to say yes to Jesus? Maybe it's a true yes for the first time. Or maybe you need to say yes to him and come back to a life that's properly following him. If you need to say yes to Jesus in any way today, representing the dedication of your life, surrendering to him, allowing him to take the front seat, not the back seat, I want you right now just to lift your hand while every head's bowed. I want you to just lift your hand. I'm going to pray with you right now. See, I see a hand. I see a hand there, hand there, hand there. Other hands in the back. Yes. Anyone else? It's not too late. Not too late. Anyone else? Raise your hand and say, I need to do that. Holy, you'll know who you are. I see that hand too. Holy Spirit's been is convicting and speaking and drawing you. Anybody else? I'm going to pray for you. You can put your hands down right now. I want everybody to repeat this prayer who harmonizes it with your heart. Say, Lord Jesus. Today, I give my life to you. You gave your life for me. So now I am responding to your great love. And I'm giving you permission to take the reins of my life. Take the wheel of my life. Forgive me, Lord, for getting in the way. Forgive me for my sins and my rebellion. And I choose today to yield to you 100%. I decide 
to be a follower of Jesus. A devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for paying for my sins. I receive forgiveness, salvation today. And I receive a right relationship with God from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you raised your hand and you prayed that sincerely from your heart, I want you just to slip out of where you're seeing. Come and join me right here at the front right now, please. If you raised your hand, I prayed with you right then. You prayed that prayer and you meant it. Would you come? Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. We won't make any spectacle of you. Just come on. Thank you, honey. Come on. Others, just come. Stand here. Yes. Come on, Sam. Anyone else? I know there's several others. Come on. Have the courage to come. You're not alone. Come on. Jesus said, if you'll not confess me before men, why should I confess on your behalf? Anyone else? Anyone else? Come and stand with these. Come on, young man. God bless you. God bless you. Come and stand here. Come and stand right here. Someone else? Come and stand. I want our prayer teams to come forward, please, at this time. Anyone else want to come and join these? A decision. A decision. A moment in time. It's going to make a huge difference in your life. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let uh, our prayer teams, uh, young ladies, if y'all would just divide up among these two. Young men, if you just go right over there, these guys. These prayer teams are going to be here to pray for any other need as well. Not only these who are making the decision to follow Christ, but you may have a particular need in your life. Maybe something that got stirred up today in the meeting or maybe something larger than that. And they're here because they want to pray. They're here because they want to agree with you in prayer. So don't hesitate to come to them. And we're going to close our service now at this time. I'm going to ask that Will Busby would just speak a blessing over you as you depart today. And then you're dismissed. Lord Jesus, I just pray a mighty, amazing blessing. Resurrection. May it be seen in our lives, Lord. May Monday morning be a resurrection morning. Tuesday morning, a resurrection morning. And every morning that follows, Lord God. We step out of the house, step in the car, step into work, step into life, Lord God. We pray that your hand, your will, your might move us forward, Lord God, in the resurrection power. Roll the stones in our lives, roll the stones in our neighbors' lives, in our relatives' lives, and those that we see with the stones, Father. Let us step out in the faith and knowing that you came to give life and life abundantly, Lord. Bless us as we go out to serve and declare your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.